0: Uh, as we've finished the letter to the Romans, we've been looking for the, throughout the month of Advent at, at what sort of life the gospel invites us to live. That's what we've been looking at. at the, the first um, 11 chapters of Romans lay out the gospel, and Paul bends over backwards. He uses all sorts of explanations and biblical defense to say, this is an act of God's mercy. He has freely given it, and we receive it by faith. We enter into this relationship with him and one another by faith, not by, not by earning it, not by any resume that we have. That is... The message of Romans all throughout. And then starting in chapter 12, Paul begins to describe what sort of life we get to live now that we've received this free gift. And so we talked about community in general. um, We talked about humility. We talked about unity and And I've been secretly laying out our church's four values because that's what they are. The gospel, humility, unity. And the fourth core value of this church is generosity. And all throughout the life that Paul describes, he is calling his people to generosity. And I want to let you know we're not going to pass the bags again uh, there's a lot of grandparents here. I'm not trying to, you know, your kids are very cute and very sweet, and I thank you for loving them, but I'm not trying to twist your emotions or anything. But there is an element in Romans where Paul is, is just assuming that the response to the, the message of the gospel is a life of generosity. And he describes that in a bunch of different ways. He, he describes, you know, using the gifts that we have, you know, whatever spiritual gift we have, using it. He, he describes, uh, uh, you know, rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep, honoring those to whom honor is due. He even describes receiving our opponents, um, feeding our enemies. I mean, everything is generosity. And that's a response to the gift of grace. I love that, you know, the the tradition around Christmas has become what? We give people gifts, right? That's to honor the gift that Jesus has given us. We respond to his generosity with generosity to one another. So there's two ways that he describes generosity. Relational generosity, and then he assumes financial generosity. First, I want to look at relational generosity. Paul describes it, how I just mentioned, in a lot of ways, but he also sets an example of relational generosity. At the very end of the letter, um, in chapter 16, Paul lists off the people who he has been with as he's writing the letter. This is the community that helped write Romans, all right? So here's, here's the list, 16, 21 through 23. He says, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater. New parents, Sosipater would be a great name for one of your kids. My compatriots. I, Tertius, who am writing this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me in the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus." greet you greet you. Now, how in the world would I get relational generosity from this list of names? The truth is we don't know that much about many of these people, like really, you know, Paul and Timothy. We know a bit more about these guys, but there are stories behind the names just by looking at the names, these people have been sacrificially involved in Paul's ministry. In fact, all of the people that he greets in Rome are people who have been sacrificially involved in Paul's ministry, in the, in the mission to the Gentiles at many different points. This letter has, has been written... From one of these guys' home, he, he says Gaius has been their, their generous host. And that's where that church community is meeting. They didn't have a, a sweet room like this, they were meeting in some guy's living room, Gaius's living room. But there's also Tertius and Erastus and Cordus and others. We know by these names that this community is made up of Jews and Gentiles. We know it's made up of of, of wealthy people and working class people. We know it's made up of men and women. He's already listed Phoebe at the beginning of chapter 16. You see, um, there's there's a lot we can tell from these names. In Roman culture... um, when, uh, when a family has a son, the firstborn son is going to be the heir. He's going to be the family leader. And so he'll get a name like Gaius or Erastus, you know, some cool name. All right. The secondborn son will usually get some interesting name as well. But after that, the boys are just household workers. And so the thirdborn boy will be named third and the fourthborn boy will be named fourth. And those guys are listed in this. Tertius means third. Cortus means fourth. These are guys who otherwise don't really have much of a future in front of them. But they are welcomed around the table. They are part of it. In fact, Paul lets third contribute to what would become Holy Scripture. I, Tertius, greet you in my own hand. I mean, he's otherwise, he's like a, a high-level, blue-collar worker. I mean, that that's basically what the guy who's taking down what Paul's saying, that's, that's what he is, all right? And yet, he's part of Paul's community. I mean, he's sitting there right there with the city treasurer and the wealthy homeowner. This is a community that does not re- regard people's economic standing as, as, as a part of how they fit into the church community. They are all together sitting around the table, all right? And that's the, that's the relational generosity that, that we are called to in the letter to the Romans. We are called to open up our lives to people who are different than us. So if you want to practice this, that you could, there are people in this room who make you uncomfortable. And it's not just me. I know I do a little bit. But there are others because they have a really different background than you, or they're in a different generation than you, or whatever, you know, or or when you talk, you just can't quite figure out what other than the weather to talk about. Invite that person to have a meal with you. Share a feast, learn their story, and share yours. So relational generosity is The baseline of a response to the gospel. But the next thing that Paul assumes is financial generosity, a commitment to uphold and support the mission of God through financially supporting the church. Now, I need to be clear. I'm reading into Romans a lot. It's not overt in Romans. Paul doesn't say, make sure you bring a tithe every Sunday when you gather for church. All right that's no that's nowhere in romans in fact this isn't even a cash economy some of these people probably never really held money they just they dealt in trade with one another all right so so i'm reading in a bit but paul takes for granted that the church actively works to contribute to one another's needs he even says overtly in 12:13 contribute to the needs of the saints And he he assumes that they will work to support other churches. In fact, the last thing that Paul shares with them about his life is his work to support other churches. This is chapter 15. He says, this is the reason. By the way, he's just explained his mission to unreached Gentiles. And then he says, That mission, this is the reason that I was often hindered from coming to you. But now there is nothing more to keep me in these regions, and I have for many years desired to come to you when I go to Spain, for I hope to visit you when I pass through, and that you will help me on my journey there, after I have enjoyed your company for a while. But now I go to Jerusalem to minister to the saints." For Macedonia and Achaia are pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do this, and indeed, they are indebted to the Jerusalem saints. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are obligated also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, after I have completed this and have safely delivered this bounty to them, I will set out for Spain by way of you, and I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of Christ's blessing. As the gospel spreads, it is Paul's assumption, the assumption of all the church leaders, that Christians will uphold and strengthen and support one another in the mission of God. That's the assumption. That's what the church did at the very beginning. You can see it in the book of Acts. And that's what they continue to do as people bring their financial gifts and contribute to the mission, hoping that the leaders will distribute it wisely, and that's our prayer as well. Now, every week we pray a beautiful prayer here. I, I love our generosity prayer. Um, it's it's uh, an invitation for how we think, how we posture ourselves, and we we pa- we pass these fancy bags, and and those are largely a reminder. Most of you give online, and you know, we're all. You know, twenty-four-seven, we're always accepting your donations online. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, you, there's there's plenty of ways to to give, but but the idea really is a heart posture that we're inviting you to do. Um, I, you know, I could say a lot about how church money works. A church like this is a completely self-funded organization, and and that means that everything that we do has been provided by by you. And you Littleton Christian Church are an incredibly generous people. I am amazed, especially every December, since the way some of your financial plan works, that's that's when you give. I am just stunned at the generosity of this church. It is sacrificial, it's overwhelming, it's outsized for the size of church like ours. But we do not take into consideration for one second whether or not you are a giver when we consider your needs or, or how you are a part of this community. In fact, the staff is not aware of who gives what, and that's on purpose. We keep ourselves separate from that. The, the bookkeeper and the elders manage that, and, and the rest of us, we don't know, because I don't want to take into account when we're setting up a time to have lunch together or whatever, whether you're a giver or not. I, I don't want to know i don't want to take into account whether you 're a giver when we when we hand out those King Supers cards and other things that we do that that's that's not a consideration for us because we are like Gaius and Cordes together we are a community that shares all things together we we charge no fees to be a member in this church we're just excited when you become one all right but Our money is an important symbol. It's a way all year round where we can generously give as we have generously received. Just as at Christmas we give gifts to remember the gift that God gave us in Christ, we give throughout the year as a discipline to remind ourselves that everything we have has been provided by him. You have some incredible skills out there. Some of you work really hard for the income that you have. Others of you are managing your money really wisely. You know, all of that, all of your skills, the family that you were put into, the situation that you have, whether it is incredibly flush with cash or difficult, all of that was provided by God as an opportunity to give him glory. And when we give, it is a declaration of our trust in God who saved us through Jesus and provides all that we need. All right. God is faithful to meet the needs of this church, and I believe he's faithful to meet your needs as well. And I think he wants to show you that in new ways. So this is my maybe once a year talk on giving, and uh, I'm I'm glad to do it with the extended family here. Whoever your church community is, I would encourage you, let that be the foundational place where you show your gratitude to what God has provided to you in your life. Paul's opening metaphor for how we live in response to the gospel is in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, this means much, much more than financial generosity, but it does not mean less. God's mercy toward us is the ultimate act of generosity, and then he calls us in response to generously give what he's given to us. So, end of speech. Let's pray. We're going to take a short break Uh, so that our kids can get set, so you can refresh your coffee. But then we will turn off the lights uh, as a sign to hurry back to your seats so that you can uh, be ready, um, you know, and fight somebody for the front row if they leave. Not really. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you have given to us, Lord. Thank you for the mercy that you've given to us. Thank you for your overwhelming grace to us. Lord, thank you that this church in so many ways has received and celebrated your miraculous faithfulness. Lord, in all my years as, a, as the pastor of this church, I, I have been stunned, Lord, at the ways that you've provided. Thank you. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to show off in my brothers' and sisters' lives uh, at the end of this year. And throughout this next year, Lord, let us see and feel the joy of giving as we join together with you in your mission in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.